I was very fortunate to have some really good mentors and some people around me and I probably touched on the family side where footy was everything and it was you know I was hell-bent to be in that path most people are not as lucky though Brad it's not easy yeah I'll be honest like it's not yeah and this this was probably the biggest moment in my life really if we're gonna go real deep unfortunately he passed away on a end-of-season footy trip and so yeah like so that was like a real changing point in my life and it was one of those biggest sort of moments um so what's your purpose today then brad so my purpose is to so let's not keep you waiting any longer this is lead podcast with brad ebert i hope you're listening I want to talk about your transition between footy and your current role. Yeah. Because in footy, you have like set training, set game days, mm. everything's kind of scheduled for you. And then you come to a role where you can, you need to kind of schedule your day, be in charge of your own kind of productivity, I, I, yeah. I could say. Yeah. How was that transition? Um, great question. Because it's not easy. Yeah, I'll be honest. Like, it's not, yeah. I think even, you know, my wife would probably say, my trend i feel like it's been pretty good smooth transition out of footy because you hear some guys that can really fluctuate and struggle um but i'm still a bit of a yo-yo you know like there's times and it's not like i'm on the floor crying and it's on you know euphoric it's more just like am i going down the right path am i doing the right thing what am i thinking like i feel very settled now that i've got this job and over the last year i guess i've had the job but even then you still feel like there's that element of um uncertainty and um, yeah, I think that it certainly plays a part because you are you are so structured almost to the point of army sort of I'm turning up at the club at 8.45 if I'm five minutes late I'm in deep trouble 10 point um, or 50 push-ups or something but yeah, that's all fine or you know, you know all this sort of stuff that comes to getting to a meeting three minutes early sitting around for 10 minutes waiting for everyone else to turn up and then go like oh this is just how it is you know, no, like, no. But, yeah, you know and so there are those like parts that I said really have helped me but then at the same time the transition even for a guy that I feel has been like I feel I was ready for it and I wanted to get out of footy still hasn't been uh, super smooth and 100% easy you know like you speak to my mates and stuff I'm sure they'd tell you that there'd be moments where you'd um, you know be riding the highs and, and the lows and I think if you've got a really good support network around you though it um makes a massive difference and I think that the last couple of years of my career we started working with a guy named Hugh Van Kuhlenberg his name is he, um, he wrote a book The Resilience Project and he's got I don't know if you've ever heard love of it. it I've actually read, read that book, book. Yeah. yeah and he's, and he's a, a legend really good bloke and, and I lo- loved working with him but a lot of his messaging and stuff was who are you as a person get out of footy like I want to break it down and so we you know we did a lot of work w- workshops together as groups around um you know, his, his whole things were around grat- gratitude, empathy and mindfulness and, and that sort of stuck with me. But one of the big drivers was that purpose and just that idea that get away from who you want to be as a footballer, but who do you want to be as a person? Who do you want to be, you know, put a stamp of approval on you, people talking about you in 30 years' time, what do they want, what do you want them to say, I guess? And So I feel like if you have that purpose, if you have that drive and ambition, um a lot of that yo-yo can really just get smoothed out um, and you can sort of work towards that path. So, um, yeah, I think that working through those sort of things certainly helped. What's your purpose today, Brad? Um, So my purpose is to forge my own path and to help as many people around me as possible. So 
to forge my own path, I guess, was drawn. Oh, I can happily break it down if you want. Yeah, please, so, please, please do. Yeah, like so, forge my own path. I guess came back to that idea that I have been in footy forever, and that's my family was so entrenched in it, and um, I've loved that. You know, that, that side of it that's helped me get to this point. But it was that idea that I don't want to just be seen as that forever. You know, I want to be able to forge my own path, and I want to, even if that is in sport, if that is in wherever, I want to be able to say that. Yep, I've happily pursued what I've wanted to pursue rather than just I've done it because my family wanted me to do that um, and that probably led me down the wine sort of path and led me down um, getting outside of, of that footy bubble um, but then at the same time helping others around me I think that you know as a guy I've always tried to do the right thing and, and be a good person I guess and I think that if you can put a smile on someone else's face if you can help someone out it goes a long way to well helping them um, and in the same token, I guess it probably helps uh, helps you in a way. So, yeah, anyway. Quick one. Can you please take a second and follow us on any platform you're listening from? It will help more than you know. Thank you. Was there a particular time that something happened that thought you something great about leadership? Well, yeah, this is probably, and this might not. Oh, that would be from a leadership perspective, I guess. But and this this was probably the biggest moment in my life, really. If we're going to go real deep, so 2012, I just came back. It was my first year back, and it was all going okay. Um, at that time, another guy came across with me from Collingwood, so it was his first year there as well. John McCarthy, his name was, um, and we became best mates. You know, within that year, like got on everything. Our our partners got on really well. We were just able to move back into SA and really. Um, went through with everything together. Unfortunately, he passed away on an end-of-season footy trip. Yeah, so it was pretty full-on. Um, and so that really threw me, through the football club, through everything, because um, it was just a freak accident on, a fo- on an end-of-season footy trip. So, like, you never expect anything like that to happen. Um, and so, yeah, like, so that was, like, a real changing point in my life, and it was one of those biggest sort of moments um, that like I said, probably gave me that perspective, you know, opened my my eyes and really just made me um, reflect on what is important in my life. But in doing that, I guess, when you talk about like leadership and stuff like that, um, I felt as if it was a real key to not just let the wheels fall off. And, you know, if I had let the wheels fall off myself and, you know, went into a, a slump and drank and did all that sort of stuff that, you know, I'd be helping no one. And so probably when you think, you know, the way I tried to respond to that was really just to bring our group together, galvanise us um, from a football perspective. And, and, you know, everything else was going on in life and you grieve and you work through all that on the personal side. But I guess I was able to sort of focus from a work perspective was, okay, well, let's get back to work once we get back. And um, we're all in the same boat. We're all grieving together. But how can we actually harness that and um, as a group really drive forward? And, And I think... You know, that following year we made the finals for the first time. We were almost, the, comp- the team was almost out of the competition at one point when we were really battling to then making finals, to making a prelim, to almost winning a flag. Um, I think that was one of those moments I look back on thinking uh, it was a devastating event, but it probably also then I look at, at it and think from a leadership point of view, it was probably one of those moments I look back on and and proud on how we responded yeah 
Thanks, Pat, for sharing mm. that. I read somewhere said that there are three events in your life that that makes you realize what's really important. Mm. When someone very close to you passes away, when you have a near death incident and an accident, or when you have a kid. Yeah, right. Yeah. So how did you when you when you had your first kid? How did that change you? Yeah. Well, I, you know, two out of those three, I guess, were probably yeah two of the biggest moments in my life. Like I said, J Mac passing away, and I said the you know, having Leo. So I was a young dad. I've been I'm a bit of an old soul, really. You'll probably gauge that as. <laughs> but um, I was 27, um, and my wife and I were both you know young, been together for years, and, and so that was just the progression. And um, looking back, I think shit, 27 is pretty young, but um, I don't know. We were, I've, I've loved it, and, and I think it was that idea that it just you know Leo gave us so much perspective on life, and it, and I think I touched on the fact that by the end of my career. Um, the, the lights sort of came on and I realised you know, what am I doing it all for but it, it probably came back to finding that um, yeah that leveller in, in Leo and, and being able to get away from footy and get away from all the win-loss on the weekend and who did well and who said what and who what happened there to realise none of that matters you know like none of that matters I go home I see my kids and they don't care what happens you know and that's it just it does it gives you that perspective um I probably keep coming back to that word, but I think it's probably one of the bigger, bigger driving things, I guess, in my um, philosophy. Yeah, and it's like you're focusing on what you have, which is the yeah. resilience project. Yes, yeah. big yeah. biggest teachings that I took away is focus on what you have, know what you don't have. Mm, mm. Oh, the massive. moment that new life, that new child comes to your life, actually, that's. You know, you're a child, something you have in your life. And yeah, it's like yeah. one of the greatest gifts. And No, I think um, well, that, that book, like, Q was massive in terms of us as a group probably finding a lot of that as well. And so, um, yeah, I, I guess around that time I started... Have you ever read um, The Daily Stoic or, like, have you ever heard of Ryan Holiday? Yeah, it's a cool... I reckon that'd be another one for you as well. Ego is the Enemy is one of his books. And Yeah, heard of that um, book, yeah. Yeah, The Obstacle is the Way was his other. And they sort of came out similar times but yeah it was all around that time i reckon i read read through the the ego as the enemy and a lot of that came back to similar messaging from what hugh was sort of saying about that idea of um putting ego aside not letting external distractions sort of phase you being able to sort of stay on course and um work through it so anyway another e- good one ego, ego is a funny one isn't it it, it, it is it's, it's hard to catch it you don't realize when you you're acting out of ego if, if you were to tie it to leadership when, when leaders act of ego, mm. it never goes well. And instead of understanding what the situation is. Nah, nah. And you nah. can see, yeah, you see when you get those egotistical sort of leaders and um, are very self-driven and, and all, uh, not so much self-driven, but they are just very um, internally focused. But at the same time, they just care for themselves and nothing else that's going on. You can see it. Yeah, and it might not show straight away. But yeah. It, sort of, it might be portrayed as an act of service. Yeah. But humans are just incredibly... Just amazing creatures. They can just sense it. Yeah, and you can. And I think that there's that, and that's probably where your trust sort of breaks down over time yeah. and a lot of that sort of stuff comes off the back of that. Um, yeah, I guess I was very fortunate to have some really good mentors and some people around me and I probably touched on the family side where footy was everything and it was, you know, I was hell-bent to be in that path. But, so that might not have been the best thing, but at the same time, I had some. You know, my father was a great mentor and a great person to to look up to, and then my uncles in the same boat where, um, you know, played so much footy and stuff. But and unfortunately, he passed away late last year, and 
it was a lot of the sentiment came back to, oh, but whatever, footy, footy, footy is for there, but what a good person he was. And I think that that sort of side of the, you know, the Ebert name and stuff, I hope is sort of coming through with, you know, how I'm trying to, to live my life, I guess. You sort of saw him and my dad and my other uncles and live their life in that way. And I think if you've got people that you look up to in that space, it, um, yeah, it, it hopefully strips away that ego and you realise that, you know, he was arguably the best player in SA's history in football. But who cares? He, he was just a guy and, and that's just how he lived his life. And I never knew any of that because he never wanted to, to talk about that side of it, you know? Mm. But some, most people don't know as lucky though, Brad, like to have the mentor that they, they can look up to from a very early on age and oh, totally. mm. guide them through life. Absolutely. Master Whether it's like passive mentorship, like why you're talking Master about, yeah. Yeah. just observing well, and, that's and seeing and learning, like more passive rather than, I guess, catching up and, and forcing it, which yeah. is totally cool as well. Because uh, that was probably one of my other big drivers in that leadership space is like that desire to be curious, I think, is huge in the space of you know, opening your eyes to different things, but that idea of just happily asking a question of someone and um, saying yes to opportunities without saying yes to too much, I guess. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I'll probably preface that by saying don't just be a yes man. Yeah, not yes man. But at man. the same time, say yes to opportunities and, and ask yeah. ask the question of people because you never know what sort of doors will, will open. Which was, I'm not sure if this was part of the creed of the club, was it leaving no stone unturned on the field of endeavour? Oh, I think you might know it. You might know it better than I do. <laughs> Actually, no, that, that would be. I reckon Foss Williams wrote, wrote out a creed and you sort of had it all written up there. But, um, yeah, you, you're well done. You've well, really well, done <laughs> well, the co-founder of the company I work for is a big port supporter and ah, that's nice. one of the creeds we actually... We it's going to be loving this episode, work. man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's going to love this part. <laughs> uh, now we're just going on the uh, lighter side of things. What is... what Pipe dreams. What are they? Oh, pipe dreams. Yeah. Oh, well, this is probably the Good one, Ali. Yeah. We are in the startup hub, you know. This is this yeah. is my place. It's um pipe dream is pretty much like it was a bunch of footy players uh that we just sat around and we just chew the fat and always just throw out these random ideas and um yeah, we always just like liked the idea of what innovations could be and, and what opportunities are there and so yeah, we just called ourselves pipe dreamers. So there was a couple of us Tom Jonas, Hamish Hartlett, Kane Mitchell, Aaron Young, there was a bunch of Matthew Loby. We all just sort of sat around spitballing ideas and yeah, Tom and I sort <laughs> of came it. away with Hey Diddle and we took it and ran. So Nice. Yeah. Anyway, probably comes back to that curious nature, I guess, and right. being keen to get out of footy and, and um, see what else is out there and yeah, see what opportunities. Tell, tell, tell us about Hey Diddles. Oh, by the way, we'll include the links to your website in the show notes. But Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, what is it about? What are you presenting? What What are you hoping to achieve from that? And everything? yeah, oh, was that part of your pipe dreams? It is part. It is a pipe dream. Okay, I was double checking. So, no, 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 that was a pipe dream. Yeah, so I just had to validate that, guys. <laughs> well, I guess um, I started getting more curious and interested in wine in my mid twenties, early twenties, and my mother-in-law and father-in-law are right into it. And, you know, they're over in WA, obviously, but um, and my host family used to be into it because my mum and dad aren't super. You know, drinkers or anything like that. Dad loves a beer, and Mum loves a you know, fifteen dollars sparkling. Like there's nothing too crazy about all of that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just a staunch. Tom and I were both when we were pipe dreaming, spitballing. We we're both staunch South Aussies, and 
um, we were both getting into our wines and we were like, why don't we just give it a crack of a few ton, really? And, and at that time, it was you know, a few thousand bottles of Shiraz. Um, let's just see where it, where it goes. Uh, but I think you know, Tom's pretty similar to me in the sense, like I said, footy, you get into that hardworking, high-performing uh, sort of mode and you realise that you can make things work if you put the time and if you have the right mindset and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, we started off in 2017 just with a few tonne of Shiraz and then it's just snowballed from there. So it's been been a good little venture and, um, well, it keeps Tom active away from footy. His mind's always on. I'm getting emails from him at 6 a.m. in the morning and <laughs> he's, uh, he's always keen. And, um, and now it's given me a real nice passion that's then been able to lead into a, a career with Treasury as well. So it's... So is Tom your co-founder? Co-founder, yeah. Right. Yep. And then there's also another guy, Ben Chipman, who's a winemaker. So he had his own brand. Uh, we got to know him and then we went to him and said, hey, mate, do you want to be a part of this and see where we can go? So, yeah, started off with a few, like, like I said, Shiraz. And uh, now we've got like about 10 different SKUs and, and just always curious to... I think because we don't come from that historical background of wine, we can almost just ask the question and be a bit naive Um and don't feel stupid about it because you know now i'm working in the scene you can see why a grade is a grade and b grade is b grade but for us it was almost just like hey let's just give it a crack let's get some tariga national from the mclaren vale and blend it with some grenache we can do that can't we and people were like oh you know i'm not sure about that but it works you know yeah. it works and it sells and people enjoy it so yeah. i think that's probably given a fresh take on on the wine industry as well i think mm. do you think um the name you guys have built in footy helped you guys um, in terms of having that credibility when you're coming up with some new crazy ideas, whether it's fixing up some Grenache with whatever you're yeah. mixing it with. Well, actually, yeah, no, I wouldn't do that, but um, just because I really <laughs> well, enjoy your games, I might let you do it. Yeah, I feel like there's, there's, two, yeah, there's two ways to look at that as well. And there's some of it is almost like people go, oh, just a footy player. What does he know? Why would he try that? Um but then there's that other side where, yeah, people go, oh, why not? We'll give it a crack and we'll, you know, we're fortunate to get to know a few people in the hotel games or the yeah. um, restaurants and stuff. So, oh, yeah, we'll give it a try. But that can only last for so long, yeah. I think. And, and yeah. the fact that we had some cred behind us with a winemaker as well and the fact that we were both eager to learn and curious minds and wanting to actually get into it. You know, like I wouldn't be working full time for Treasury Wine Estates as a bit of culturalist, really, if I wasn't into it. So, um yeah, there's certainly those those aspects that I think the um, yeah the truth behind it sort of comes out over time, and, and for us, it's you know I guess re- that's what probably resonates with people as well. There's that a, legitimacy behind it. There's yeah. a lesson to be learned there, right? Like for for someone to have an idea and then just going to actually implement it. There's- well, there's certainly like aspects where people do just do a few ton here and there, mm. and they'll just you know put a label on it, and but that'll be one off, and that's yeah. it. Whereas I think we had a, a pretty good strategy around it and we had, um, well, probably like I said, we had that legitimacy behind it where we were saying, you know what, yes, we're footballers, but no, we're not just sticking our name on a label. It's not just Ebert and Jonas Wines. It's like, how can we break this down to be like true um, that I think people resonated with? And I think that's where, you know, you do, you see some of the, the wine that labels come out that are so-and-so's winery or so-and-so's name. Um which are fine. They sell, I'm sure. association, basically. But that's it. Whereas us, it's like, well, no, no, we get out there and we're helping out in the, in the winery and learning from the ground up. Brilliant. Shall we wrap it up? With yeah, some I mean... Short I mean, questions. What advice would you give your 18-year-old self? Uh, I would probably just say relax. 
Right. Yeah, you know, like like I probably said, going over there as a kid, I was so um, motivated and so desperate to be a footballer that it worked and it's been great and I've had the career I had. But um, I think if I relaxed a bit more, I think I, I could have enjoyed the journey a little bit, well, in those first few years anyway. Right. What is the best uh, leadership advice you've ever been given? Whoa, that is a tough one. Um, I think it comes back to that idea of being genuine and being true to yourself. And, and I think that, you know, being able to understand yourself really helps you impart leadership as you grow. So I think um, that's probably one of the best things that I've been able to pick up from some of those, you know, like I said, family and stuff, but also coaches and guys that I've, I've looked up to, I think is that... Um, but also back your judgment. I think once you, you know, once you go into that space and once you make a decision, trust it and go with it. I think there's times where I probably second guess myself and doubted it. Um, but talking through with some some good mentors through periods of, of tough stuff, I think that that's you know some of the best best advice I can get. What is the worst piece of advice you've gotten? Mm. <laughs> My worst piece of advice. Uh, yeah, it almost felt as it. Yeah, there was when I was getting near the end, I started catching up with some people and wanting to know more. And I just remember one guy sort of saying, almost he was in another field, and he was almost like, "Oh, I just I'd almost recommend to start with just sticking your lane, you know, and just just sticking your you know footy, just go down that path, and maybe things will open up later." Wow. And I just felt like that was almost the worst piece of advice I could get. Yeah. Wow. Compared to a lot of the other guys that I was wow. catching up with that were almost like, you know what, you've got a lot of skills, you've got a lot of this, you got um go and try other things. Yeah, it just almost was contrary to anything that I'd been hearing or anything that I sort of felt. So that was probably yeah, not the best best advice I had. Three qualities that you think every leader should have. Um I think authenticity I think clarity and I think purpose. I can break them down a little bit more if you want. But Please do. Yeah, I think with authenticity, that probably comes back to that relationship piece that I was talking about before and by being authentic and actually breaking it down and getting to know people at a true ground level can only build that trust and then also probably show your authenticity. Um, the clarity piece probably comes back to that idea of being clear on who you are, um, understanding yourself and then being able to impart that well on others. So that's like that goal setting and strategy and um, you know clarity, the clearness that comes off of, of that. Um, and then that purpose, I, I think. Purpose, personally, understanding who you are again and, and actually setting a purpose that can help set you on that path, but then building that from a team level as well that resonates. Because it's all well and good to have like your visions and stuff, but to actually realize even if you're a subunit of a bigger business that's got a, a overarching vision you can still work to build something amongst yourselves because it doesn't always have to be the clubs or the overall vision what do you guys want to stand for so i think uh yeah that'd be my three beautiful right i think i've got the last one here um what is a non-negotiable principle or maybe set of principles that you live by wow um the non-negotiable side of things for me is, well, hard work. I, I like I like the idea of 
and, and seeing something through it probably flows into yep. something you know, so so no like, shortcuts no shortcuts the idea that we're if you are doing something you need to work it and you need to do it properly um, I think taking time to reflect and stuff is probably going I, I want like that idea of family is, is a non-negotiable for me so if it's not going to work if you want me to work 50 hours a week like no I won't do that I do my job well but I want to make sure that whatever I do my family are the biggest part of my life so that should almost be number one um, how many were there? three or no, just no, yeah just like set so really like so yeah family, family's number one and yep. I think that probably comes back to that humility and humility would then be another a big strong one which you know keeps away from that ego space um, and then that work rate and that ability to see something through. So, yeah, I think they're probably, on the top of my head, they're non-negotiables for me. Mm. Brilliant. Love that, it. And enjoy it. That's my life. Like, I think that, that's Ooh. probably the piece where I struggled with, yeah, relax. You know, yeah. like, I'll probably come across like a real intense dude here, don't I? What do they say? Like, don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah, like I'm coming across as super serious. But like away from that, have fun. Enjoy what you do and actually like stop and smell the roses when the time's right so um, enjoy love that Brad thank you for joining us today being open and vulnerable and uh, sharing your lessons I have truly enjoyed this episode speaking with you and I've learned so much from you so truly thank you hey, thank you very much guys this brings us to the end of another episode we thank you for listening in and would really appreciate if you could follow us on whatever platform you're listening from until next time you lead the way.